So I got home from working at church the other day and get home and open the door and it's quiet. My kids are in there, my wife's in there and if you're ever at our house and it's quiet, there's a problem. Something's going on because our, our house is, is always loud. So I walk in the door and the kids are upstairs playing and they're mumbling something and I can't really hear what they're doing, but they're not yelling at each other. They're not beating each other up. Uh, nothing's going on, so I'm okay with that. But my curious mind got a hold of me and I had to know what they were doing up there because they'd been up there for quite some time. I mean, I didn't know if they were plotting to like strap us to chairs or, you know, like burn down the house because our kids are kind of wild like that. So I get down to the bottom of the stairs and the boys are sitting up there and I yell up to them like, boys, what are you doing up there? And they both yell down at me the same time and they say, Dada, we're just reading the Bible. And I was like, come on. Are you seriously reading the Bible? Yeah, Dada, we, look, we, we read all 1,857 pages of this Bible. You know, like front to back, we know exactly what happened. <laughs> no, you didn't. Now you're really lying to me. Like, what is going on up there? So I go up there because I want to know what's happening. And sure enough, there they were, sitting there on the floor, reading the Bible. We have the, the children's Bible, so there's pictures and stuff in it. And it um, doesn't get too elaborate and all that stuff. So I was like, huh. So I walk downstairs and I go into the kitchen where Mary is. And I tell her, you know what? God is up to something. Something's going on and God is up to something. And I was excited. And I'm telling you, I am here to tell you right now that God is up to something here at Riverton Christian Church. I can tell it. I've, we've prayed about it. I can feel it. God is, going, is up to something here at our church. Our leadership team over the past several months, even probably longer than that, we have been praying that he would give us direction. And he told us, God has, has said that we need to take a step of faith and take action in our community. It was one thing that we have not done yet as this church in a long time. We asked him to provide us resources. We asked him to give us skills. We asked him to put people in the places so that we could accomplish this goal. And you know what? He answered. And so, I tell you this to tell you that, that God is up to something here. He's got something going on. The, the leadership team, so through all of this, we decided to read through the book of Psalms. And so there's five of us, so we all split it up, so everybody got a chunk in the book of Psalms. And so it got me looking deeper into the book of Psalms and looking at this man, David. And so today we're going to look at the life of David. Now, if you know all and who he is, the one thing that you remember about David in the Bible is what? David slaying Goliath, right? He took that step of faith. Little boy uh, was courageous, slung that stone and hit Goliath. But there's so much more to the story. David, you see, was never a front runner. He was one out of eight boys in a family and he was the youngest. You want to talk about getting picked on. He was probably picked on quite a bit. 
He was the shepherd of his father's flock. The, the, the father said, we talk a lot about shepherding, right? And how it's not an ideal job. Nobody really likes it. And his father said, you're the last. You're not ever going to get anything. By the time it gets done to you, you're going to get crumbs. So why don't you just take care of the sheep and you'll be fine, right? And so he was a shepherd. He was never supposed to be a leader. He was never supposed to be involved in anything. But you know what? God was up to something in his life. God had it figured out right out of the beginning. And so we're going to look in the beginning. So we're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to start there this morning. And we're going to read about how Samuel became king. So in 1 first, first Samuel chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 1. says, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? So Saul, he, he decided to disobey God, didn't want to follow him anymore. And so Samuel was really distraught because he picked Saul. And so there was this debate. And so Samuel was sad. And so he asked, How long are you, the Lord said, How long are you going to mourn for him? And so here's what the Lord said He said, Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. We know about Bethlehem, right? So he says, I've chosen one of Jesse's sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, um, he's going to kill me. And so the Lord said, here's what you need to do. I want you to take a big fat cow with you, a heifer, right? And I want you to offer it and sacrifice it to the Lord. Tell them that's what you're going to do. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. What to do? You are to anoint me the one I indicate. And so Samuel did what the Lord had said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then they consecrated Jesse and his sons, and then they invited him to the, to the sacrifice. So now you know the story, the backdrop, right? So when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. It was one of Jesse's sons. It was one of the older sons of his group. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, nope, that's not the one. He says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I think verse 7 speaks loudly in the way that God views us as people. You see, God, he doesn't look at our age. He doesn't look at our credentials. He doesn't care what we wear, the things that we look, or our appearance, or anything like that. If it were up to me and I were standing up here preaching, I wouldn't be in slacks and a nice dress shirt. I would look like Jesus. I mean, when Jesus preached, he wasn't in slacks and a dress shirt, was he? No way. He was in shorts and bare feet. So next week, I'm going to preach in shorts and bare feet. No, I'm just kidding. I'll probably get fired if I do that. Oh, we'll do a foot washing. There we go. Absolutely. 
But see, he doesn't care what we look like. He doesn't care about our appearance, our stunning good looks that God gives us. Care if he doesn't matter. God looks at the heart. God looks at our, our, our insides. And especially in leadership roles, when you lead anything, when you're in management or anything like that, God, God looks at your heart and what you are. I remember from a very young age when I started and I, I wanted to go out into the workforce and be employed. And I was filling out my job application. So back then there were no internet applications. So you couldn't just type it in and send it. You actually had to write it out and go to the place and give it to the people. And so, right? And so I have terrible handwriting. You can't read it. It's like chicken scratches. And my dad's been in management. He was in management for years. And so I walked up to him and I gave him my, my, my uh, job application. I'm a young boy, right? And I tell him all my skills. You know, I can kick a soccer ball super hard. And I can throw a baseball really hard, you know. Um, I'm on the NHS. I can speak Spanish fluently, you know. I got this job description I'm, and, and my application. I'm ready to go. Had it all written out and I gave it to him. And I said, Dad, would you hire me? And he said, nope. And I said, why? Why wouldn't you hire me? I got all these credentials. And, and he said, I can't read it. It doesn't look, you know, your, your application doesn't look like it's meant to be for a job. You look like you're five years old, you know? Like, I can't read what you said. And I said, okay, well, what would you do with the application? And he said, I'd do this. And he literally threw it behind his head and said, I would never even look at it. I would put it on the bottom. But you see, God doesn't do that. Because I'd have been really good at this job. It was a sporting goods job, right? I love sports and athletics. I'm passionate about sports. I love anything that has to do with athletics. I would have been great at it. My heart was in the right place, but my application was not. And God flips that around and takes it backwards. It's such an important aspect in God's relationship with us that we understand that he looks at the condition of our heart and who we are as a person, as opposed to the job experience, as opposed to the degrees, as opposed to anything like that. So we continue and we go down into verse 8 um, in, our, in our story here in Samuel. It says, so then Jesse called Abibnabab and had him pass in front of Samuel. It's another son of Jesse. But Samuel said, no, nope, the Lord has not chosen him either. So Jesse, he had Shema pass by. Surely Shema, right? Samuel said, nope, Lord has not chosen that one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these people. But Jesse didn't have seven sons. He had eight. And so... Samuel asked Jesse, he said, are these all the sons that you have? See, Samuel already knew the answer. Jesse said, yep, there's the youngest. He's just out tending to the sheep. He's kind of dirty and dingy. You don't want to meet him. I mean, he's the eighth boy. We, we beat him up enough. You know, you don't want him. But Samuel said, send for him. And we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought him in. 
Can you, can you imagine the conversations that were being had while David was coming in from tending the sheep? I mean, he was out in the pasture, so he was far away. And here are these seven boys, older than him, plus his dad, who could give a rip about him, right? Waiting for David to come in. Now, David, he loved to sing. He was a harp. He loved to play the harp. He was a good musician. And, and I could just see it now, you know, Jesse going to the back door. He kicks the door out, you know, and opens up and says, hey, David, get in here. If somebody wants to talk to you. David! He'll be in here in just a minute. Right? And then here's David tending the sheep and he's walking in and he's singing. Worthy is the Lamb, Jesus. He's just walking along enjoying. You see, David had the heart. He loved God. He served the Lord. Everything that he ate, breathed, and slept God. He just loved him. And so he continued to, to praise God. And here's David probably just singing, taking his time, just God, you are just so awesome. I praise you for everything. I thank you for these sheep that I'm tending. I love you, Lord. I thank you for my family. I thank you for everybody, you know? And so he gets to the door and you're thinking, okay, here's David. He, people probably think he's 10 to 15 years old. Some, some scholars believe he's 10 to 15 years old. Do you remember those days? If you're 10 to 15 years old, you remember them right now, right? Probably have a scratchy voice. Maybe you have some pimples. You know, you remember all that stuff. You're going through that special time in your life and all of that. And so you're probably thinking that David's going to come in and he's stinky, he's smelly. You're not going to want David, right? But he was not like that. That's not David. Look at the next verse. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. He was a good looking boy. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. And David was probably like, not me. I'm just a shepherd boy. Nobody cares about me. I'm the eighth. I'm the youngest. It doesn't matter. He was probably confused. And, and David's parents, they wanted the older ones, right? They had the good application. They had the right credentials. They had the good looks. They were ready to go. But God was up to something. He had an idea. Read verse 13. So Samuel, he took the horn of oil and he anointed him in his presence, in the presence of his brothers and Jesse. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And then Samuel went to Ramah. David was anointed in front of his family. It was the people who ignored him, the people who wrote him off, the people who thought he was nothing. In front of all of these people, he was anointed. They didn't want him to succeed. They sent him to the shepherds, right, or to the sheep. He was a shepherd. Nobody wanted him. Has any, have you ever been there before? Has anybody told you that you're not wanted? That, that you're inexperienced, that maybe you're too old or you're too young to do something, that, that you, you can't do it? Has anybody doubted you from time to time and said, hey, I don't think that's right? Have you ever felt like you were unnoticed at times? God's trying to tell you something. 
He's telling you that even though some people might not think that you are valuable, that deep down on the inside in your heart, God loves you. You're appreciated, that you're valued, that it doesn't matter about your job experience. What matters is that you're passionate and that you love God. And what I want to tell you this morning is, is don't let anybody steal that from you. Don't let anybody take that from you. That is the one thing that you should hold on to. You see, David was this amazing harp player. You think of uh, uh, one of the best harp players in the world right now, which I don't even know who plays the harp. But you think of that person, and that was David in that time. And so King Saul, well, he's not, he is king at the time. He was being haunted by a spirit, an evil spirit, Satan. And so Saul called out to the best harp player in the world, which it was David, right? So David came to play for Saul to drive away this spirit. But see, Saul's joy for David, it started to go away. It, he, he started to not like David because right after he played for Saul... He defeated a seven foot, seven foot six inch giant called Goliath and started gaining power. And he started gaining the, the, the army, started gaining popularity and people. You see the trend that's starting to go on? He gained, started to gain authority while all of this stuff was going on. And the entire time, all David wanted to do was just give God the glory. He didn't care about anything else. He just wanted to praise God. Just wanted to continue to sing songs to him, to write poems to him. So throughout this time, there, uh, Saul had a son. And one of his son's names was Jonathan. And Jonathan and David became BFFs, right? Best friends forever. And even though Jonathan had every right to get angry at David because soon David was going to be king and that... And Jonathan was supposed to take that throne from Saul. And so Jonathan should have been angry. Like, why are you even here? But they continued to be friends throughout his entire life. And I think we can learn something about that friendship through these two men. You see, Jonathan, he, he cared and he loved David just as much as any brother would love each other. And they had such a good relationship that when Saul and Jonathan had both passed away, that David was trying to seek out any of the other uh, family members of Saul and Jonathan to go and bless their house and show kindness to. You see, God was up to something. Something's going on here. David, something's up with David. You see, our worldly ambitions would like us to say the opposite about friendship, right? It's an opportunity to find somebody who has great credentials to move forward in life. But God doesn't want us to be like everybody else. And God doesn't want our church to be like every other church. We don't want to be a cookie cutter church. We want to be unique to our own town. We want to continue to move forward in the way that God tells us to move instead of do what every other church is telling us to do. We need to be unique to our personalities. So Saul, he started to not gain all this fame and fortune that David was happening. He started to get mad and angry at David for all of this stuff. And so he started to plot to kill David. He wanted him out of the picture so that Saul can continue to have this reign. And so through the whole time that Saul is trying to attack David, he starts to write these really amazing songs. And so... 
A few of them are Psalm 57 and Psalm 59, and then there's one in Psalm 142. But Psalm 57, it says this, and it, it, it sings, Your love, O Lord, it reaches to the heavens. Mac Powell sings this song. It's amazing. Your love, O Lord, it reaches to the heavens, and your faithfulness, it stretches to the skies. And then in verse, uh, I'm sorry, in Psalm 36, it echoes the same thing. It says, your love, O Lord, it reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness, it stretches to the skies. But then it says, your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. And your justice flows just like the ocean's tide. And so through this entire time of Saul's pursuit of David, still Saul wants him to to, to go away, to be dead, right? David continued to wait for God's timing and he didn't attack Saul not one time. Didn't want anything to do with it. And so David continued to wait, continued to praise God, continued to write songs, continued to say, you are the Lord, I love you so much. He waited patiently and patiently until finally he became king. And so in 2 Samuel in chapter 2, it says, In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord. And he asked, Shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? And the Lord said, Go up. So David asked, Where should I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. I don't know about you, but this portion just amazed me. Look at the directness of God in this, in this little portion. Not only did God answer with a direct yes, but he gave David the exact location of where to go. David asked, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? And the Lord said, yep, you need to go. Well, David said, where shall I go? And with direct affirmation, the Lord splurted out the word Go to Hebron. And he went. God was kind of like the, the um, I don't know if you have one in your home, but it's like that Amazon, that Alexa thing. You have an Alexa in your home? That thing freaks me out. Those are creepy things. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't like to talk to inanimate objects too much. And they kind of weird me out a little bit. But it's like those little Alexa things where you ask it, you know, Hey Alexa, will you play Baby Shark? And then it, it'll play Baby Shark, do, 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 you know, something like that. So, David, he went up, if we continue in on verse uh, 2, he went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David also took the men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and its towns. And the men of Judah, they came to Hebron, and it was there that they anointed David, king of the tribe of Judah. So I have a question for you this morning. What are the steps that God has blessed you in your life? Can you see them? Has God spoken those directiveness, those direct words to your life? You see, God blessed every step that David took, and he gave him advice whenever he asked for it, and he was direct about it. He was assertive about his answers. And all that God asked David to do was, he just said, I, and he tells us this all the time, all I want you to do is just do your best. 
And that's what David did. He just did his best. And so David became king. He did all these amazing things and he got to the end of his life and he decided, you know what? I got to share this experience with others. I got to tell people about it. And so he wrote Psalm 37. And this is what he said. He said, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I, I sometimes wear this silly. This is a smartwatch. I don't know if anybody has a smartwatch before, but a smartwatch, this thing will tell me every exact step that I take in an entire day. Unless I'm preaching because I do a lot of this. And then it'll track it, you know. I'm serious, it will. And so, I have it set for a max amount of steps that I could take per day. And so, my smartwatch will encourage me throughout the day. So, um, if I hit 3,000 steps a day, it'll vibrate on me and it'll say, Great job! You did 4,000 steps. And I want to say, well, thank you, inanimate object who doesn't really know me because you don't have a brain, but you do, but it's okay, right? And then there are other times where I don't get my steps in. And I'll be sitting in my office or working on my sermon or whatever and it'll be an hour and a half that's passed and my, my watch will vibrate and it'll say, it's time to get up. And I say, you don't know me. Stop yelling at me. I got work to do, right? It knows every step that I could take. And so if we continue in this psalm, he continues with this, this amazing psalm that says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely their children will be a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. And then he goes on further down and says that the salvation of the righteous, it comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and he saves them because they take refuge in him. Look at all the verbs in that psalm later on that speak of strength from God. How many times do we try to do something on our own without the strength of God? I'm just speaking for myself because I have tried to do things without the strength of God and time and time again I will tell you they fail. Every single time they fail. You know, and another thing that we talk about is, is being righteous. And so there's two forms of righteousness. In the Old Testament, it's just completing the will of God. Where in the New Testament, all it is is upholding the will of God. And so here's the question that I want to ask yourself about being righteous. Are you doing what is right? And are you doing it for the right reasons? You see... God is up to something here. It's just like King David. 
And, and we might not see it, and he might not have been, he might not be so direct like go to, go to Judah, but I'm excited. I want to be a part of it. God is up to something. And so, as we continue to talk about being on the move and sending our church out into the community to do things, I'm just ready to go. I'm excited to move forward. So this morning, I think it's only fitting that we close out this sermon with a prayer from David. And it's Psalm 63. And I'd like to pray through it this morning. It says, You, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, and my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you, and on my bed I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help, and I sing in the shadow of your wings. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, Pastor Brian here. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you want to check us out in person, you can come to two of our service times. One is at 8 a.m. and it is a traditional service. You can also see us at 10.30 a.m., which is a contemporary service. And we have 9.15 Sunday School in the middle. You can also check us out online. We have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, both under the name Riverton Christian Church. And you can also visit our website, which is www.rivertoncc.org. Thanks for watching, and I hope to see you soon.